Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. We're back in our mission series and today is Invite Others. My proposition that I want to put across to you, that I want you to take away from this morning, is that often all that it takes for somebody to do something new for the first time is an invitation from a friend. Should I say that again? Often all it takes for somebody to do something for the first time is an invitation from a friend. 16 years ago, I'd never been rock climbing in my life. And if you had to ask me, what's my attitude towards rock climbing? You know what I've said? Never really thought about it. I've never considered it. It looks fine. I've got friends that do it and they enjoy it. But it hadn't ever occurred to me, maybe one day I would go rock climbing. And yet I did, 16 years ago, I did go rock climbing. Here's the story. I just moved to London. I went to church. I met a guy at church called George. We seemed to get on pretty well with each other. Uh, And he said to me, hey, Tom, I'm going rock climbing this week. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I'll come with you. I'll come rock climbing. And I did. I went. I had a great time. You see, often all it takes for somebody to do something for the first time is an invitation from a friend. But I'm not here to talk to you about rock climbing this morning. I think this is particularly true when it comes to things of faith. Let me tell you about a study that Lifeway did. They, they asked 15,000 adults who don't go to church about their attitudes towards different things. And one of the questions that they asked them is if you were invited along to church by a family member, do you think that would be effective in getting you to go to church? Anyone got an idea what percentage of people said, yes, that would be either very or somewhat effective? Any, any guesses on the percentage? 82. It's not bad. That's pretty close. It's a little bit lower than that. 67%. So 67, that's like two thirds of people in this survey who don't go to church said, if a family member invited me, that would make me either very or somewhat likely to go. Now you might be thinking, okay, okay. I I get it, family members, close relationships, I get it, but what about my neighbours, what about my friends, what about work colleagues? And they did ask these groups as well. They said, what if the invitation came from a friend, a neighbour or a work colleague? That would be less, wouldn't it? You'd be right if you were thinking it was less. It was 63%, so not very much less. We're still talking well over half of people in this survey said either very effective or somewhat effective that they'd come to church based on an invitation. I found that staggering. Let's recap the series so far. We're spelling out the word mission because we want our friends to know Jesus. Because in Jesus there's hope, there's eternal life. And we're looking at what are some of the things we can do to facilitate those conversations where we tell people about him. And we started off with M for Meals Together. Haven't the last two weeks been amazing? How we can actually do this now? We can have meals with people. Am I the only one in the room who in the last two weeks has had a whole year's worth of barbecues? Anyone else done that? 
We all have, haven't we? Because meals with people, they're part of it. They facilitate great conversations. Then we talked about I is for intercede, pray for five people. You took one of these cards away with you and you were asking God to lead you to five names that you can jot down on there who you would commit to praying for on a regular basis. I wonder how that's going. I wonder how you're praying for those people is going. Maybe you've had opportunities to share with some of them. We talked about S. S is for share your story. And then Andy, just before Easter, gave us the other S, which is serve practically, meet the needs that people have. And today, I is for invite others. You know, when I hear people's testimony, I ask people, what's your journey? How did you come to know Jesus? And almost always, somewhere in the story that they tell, it includes somebody inviting them along to something. Now, there's the odd outlier, the person who finds a Bible in a hotel room, reads it, gives the life to Jesus on their own. But most of the time, nine times out of ten, the stories involve somebody inviting them to something. I think about my own story. Now, I was led to Jesus at university. The guy who led me to Christ was one of my flatmates in the first year a guy called Dave, and it was early on in the second year that I became a Christian. But I think about, in that first year, the invitations that I received. I remember Dave inviting me to this series of evangelistic talks that were going on in the city. Now, it turned out they clashed with my lectures and I couldn't go to them, but I remember being quite struck and moved that he'd invited me along. A little bit later, he invited me to join the Christian Union's football team. So he played on the team. He said, Tom, why don't you come and join the team? You're into your footy. Come and play on this team. I'll tell you in a little while why that particular invitation was one of the most significant invitations I've ever received. Later on, after I'd started asking questions, after I'd shown some interest, I developed a bit of spiritual hunger, started going along to some meetings with the Christian Union, Dave invited me to go with them on a weekend away. It was at that weekend away that I decided that I was going to follow Jesus. Now, I want to look from the Bible at this idea of invitation. So we're going to look at a story from John chapter 1 about two young men and how they start following Jesus. So this is uh, John chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, please do turn there. Uh, We'll start at verse 35 or you can follow up on the screen there. Let's read. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which was teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Let's make a few reflections on this story. Firstly, 
about Andrew coming to know Jesus. Now, Andrew was a bit of an open goal when it comes to evangelism. Because John the Baptist was like, he, he was Jesus' forerunner. He was a spiritual leader who had disciples. So he had people who came to him and basically said, John, we want to know everything you know about God. Teach us. Andrew had done that. So this was pretty easy for John to have the conversation where he says, look, the Lamb of God. There he is. He pointed them to Jesus. Do you ever have those opportunities that are that easy to share your faith? I do sometimes. There was this time about two or three years ago. I was sitting in Subway with a friend. You see, M meals together. There we are. We were eating our sandwich. This is a guy I'd been looking for opportunities to share the gospel with. And he just blurts out, Tom, tell me why you believe in God. I was like, okay, this is, this is exactly the opportunity that I was looking for. So I was able to tell him the reason why I'm a Christian. Peter expects we will have opportunities. He says this, live such good lives among the pagans that they glorify God on the day of visitation. He's saying the way you live, people should take notice. And then he says, and always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. You see, people will notice, people will ask questions. Be ready. When those opportunities come, those open goals come, make sure you've got something to say. And what John the Baptist did is this. He signposted, Jesus, he signposted Andrew to a place he could go. You know, sometimes I find the temptation is when I've got a friend, I think I need to do it all myself. I think every detail I need to be the one to tell them. I need to get them every step of the way along the journey. John realised that isn't the case. He doesn't just need an info dump from John. He needs to encounter Jesus for himself. And that's true of your friends. That's true of your neighbours, your family members. What they need isn't just us to tell them and persuade them. They need to encounter Jesus for themselves. And so what John the Baptist does is he points Andrew to a, a setting, to an environment that will be conducive for that to happen. And so Andrew, he starts following this guy around that John's pointed out. And Jesus turns and says, hey, what's, what's up? What are you after? And it's actually an invitation from Jesus himself that Andrew responds to. He says, come and you will see. And Andrew spends all day there with him. And he ends up with this profound sense of, I get it, I realise who Jesus is. Because he's been invited into this environment. You know, for me, I think about that first year at university and me and Dave had spiritual conversations. I'd ask questions, Dave would share things. But you know what? They were sporadic. They were once in a while. They kind of punctuated the year at random intervals. I think about the start of my second year when I'd been invited into a different environment. I was going every week to the Christian Union meetings. Those conversations accelerated because every week I was then saying, hey, what was this thing all about? Or I didn't quite get that. Or Dave was saying to me, Hey, Tom, what did you make of what the person said this week? And it just accelerated the whole process, the environment that I was in. You know, the Bible sees it as normal that when we gather together on Sundays, there'll be people invited into our gathering who don't know Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, hey, wouldn't it be great if all these people who were invited in, if they didn't think it was weird and wacky and confusing but they experienced the power of God instead. He was seen as normal 
that people would be invited in. Anyway, you've got Andrew, and he's had this moment with Jesus, and on his heart is his brother, Simon. You know, if Andrew had to do his card, if he was reflecting on who his five people would be, you know who number one for Andrew would be that he was going to pray for? It'd be Simon in big letters. His first priority is, I want Simon to know what I know. What does he do? What could he do? What would you do in his shoes? One option is he could say, right, Simon, sit down. I've just had all day learning stuff, and I'm going to tell you everything that I've learned. That wouldn't have been a bad thing to do. He could have thought, I'm going to pray for Simon, that he has the same encounter that I have. That wouldn't have been a bad thing to do either. But in this moment, the right thing to do is exactly what Andrew chose to do. He said, come with me. I'm going to bring you to Jesus as well. You know, these things we're talking about in this series, in this series, I see them as like different tools on a tool belt. So in the relationships, there will be a moment for each of them. And the key is having the sensitivity to what God's doing to know which one to use. But this idea of being ready to invite people is a powerful thing. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you three reasons why I believe the invite is so powerful. Number one, can we go back to number one? (laughs) Number one, it's easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, an invitation. We do it all the time, don't we, in our relationships? How many times do you message a friend and say, hey, there's this new film coming out. Do you want to come see it with me? Hey, do you fancy grabbing a coffee today? Shall we go for a walk in the park? That's probably the one you've been using more recently. But we do it all the time with our friends. We're inviting them to do things with us. Is it that much more of a stretch to say, hey, there's this carol service that I'm going to. Do you want to come along too? It's easy for the person asking. And you know what? It's also easy for the person who's being asked. Like when Dave invited me to those evangelistic talks, I was able to say to him, Actually, Dave, I can't make it. I've got lectures, but thanks for the invite. It wasn't putting me in a difficult position. Or I could have said, if I didn't have lectures, I could have said, thanks for the invite. I'm not sure it's for me, but, uh, but you enjoy them. Or I could have said, hey, that sounds great. I'd love to come along. It's not a difficult position you're putting the person in. Now, let's just hit the elephant in the room. Sometimes, in some circles, invitation gets a bit of a bad press because... It's like the easy way out. And we're conditioned to think we don't want to take the easy way out, do we? Here's my view. Easy is good. I'm all for easy. If it makes it easier to share my faith with other people. I don't think there's a prize for making life harder. And so if I've got a friend and I think I want them to know about Jesus and getting into that conversation is really difficult but they'd be up for coming to Alpha and someone else tells them about Jesus and then afterwards we talk about what they've learned about Jesus. Great, let's take that box and go down the easy route. I'm all for it. Second one is side by side. You know, sometimes when we do evangelism, the posture is face to face and it's like we're in a debate. It's it's got a confrontational feel. I've got my opinion, you've got your opinion, Neither of us are going to change it. That's kind of the feel sometimes of the conversations we get into. That's not the posture that Simon and Andrew had. They're like, let's come together. Let's listen together. Let's hear together. Let's process what we've learned together. 
I remember when I have brought Francois Alpha, it's, it's great because you're listening to someone else do a talk and, and you can just kind of say, hey, I found this bit really interesting. What about you? What struck you? And together you're sharing the learning experience. But I want to major on number three. This is my bullseye on invitation. It connects people into community. Let me tell you a story. There's a friend of mine who had been out of church for a long time. Uh, he'd moved to the city that I was living in. I met up with him. We'd had a coffee. We'd been chatting about where he was at and where I was at. And I felt at the end of the time that it'd be great to invite him along to my church. So I did. I said to him, hey, Tom, do you want to come to church with me? He was Tom as well. I wasn't kind of talking. It's not one of those I have a friend friend things. He was actually Tom. But I said, hey, Tom, why don't you come along to church with me? It was an evening service. And he was like, yeah, I can, I, I'll do that. I was like, and afterwards, shall we, shall we go for a beer and just catch up some more? And he's like, yeah, that sounds good. He came along to church. We went to the pub. And it wasn't just me and Tom in the pub, but a few of the people from church came along as well. And the conversations were flowing, uh, and Tom was finding that he was really getting on well with these other people from church. He had a great time and was starting to click with people. And then on the way back to, to the Tube in London, he, he said to me, hey, this, that was great. I'd love to come along again next week. So he did. He came along next week, met the same people and a few more, chatted with them. And you know what started happening? He started exchanging numbers and, and adding on social media these different people. They started messaging each other. Before long, Tom was meeting up with different people from the church and it had transformed from me being part of a community with Tom as sort of an add-on through me to Tom being part of the community. This was before he even believed and then eventually he made a commitment to follow Jesus but he'd been knitted into this community first. Leslie Newbegin said, the Christian community is the hermeneutic of the gospel. Now, when, when I'm inviting someone to something, do I want them to get the content that's there? Sure, the content is good. And do I want them to have a certain experience? Yes, the experience is good. But the bullseye, more than anything, I want them to meet you guys. I want my friends to become friends with all of you because the Christian community is a powerful thing. Steve Timmis and Tim Chester, in their book Total Church, Say so we need to be communities of love and we need to be seen to be communities of love. People need to encounter the church as a network of relationships rather than a meeting that you attend or a place you enter. Mission must involve not only contact between unbelievers and individual Christians, but between unbelievers and the Christian community. We want to build relationships with unbelievers but we also need to introduce people to the network of relationships that make up that believing community so they can see Christian community in action. Hey, I promised to come back to that football team that I was invited onto. That team was made up about half of Christians and half of people who didn't follow Jesus. And that was such a significant invitation for me because all of a sudden it wasn't only Dave that I was talking to about spiritual things because before I could kind of dismiss it as that's Dave's thing everyone's got their thing haven't they everyone's got their hobbies their interests their quirks and this is just Dave's thing but when I joined that team I was seeing no this has changed lots of lives and it's changed the way they interact with each other and I got a sense of Christian community I got a sense of the church 
In Ephesians, we're told that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. That's in the heavenly realms in context, but it's also true in an earthly sense as well. As people see the church as it should be, they get a glimpse of the wisdom of God. So through his brother Andrew, Simon Peter connected into a learning community, discovering who Jesus is. That's exactly what I want to see happening. You know, as a church, we're trying to create good spaces for this to happen. We've been talking about getting a mums and tots group set up. What a brilliant way for people to experience community and meet Christian people. We're trying to make our services as accessible as possible for people who haven't been to church, who don't get what they're about. We want it to be a friendly, warm and welcoming place. We're going to do so much food this summer because that's a great place to invite people into. So let's kind of fast forward to the end of the story. What happened next? Well, Simon Peter accepted the invitation and uh, through spending time with Jesus, he got to the moment where... For himself, he could say, yes, I believe he's the Christ, he's the son of God. And his whole life was changed. And he became a leader in the church. He became an evangelist. You know, on the day of Pentecost, he led 3,000 people to Jesus. He became a, a leader of the Jerusalem church. And he even wrote two books of the Bible. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Now, let's zoom back to that one little invitation. Andrew brought him to Jesus. Was Andrew's part a big part or a small part? It was both, wasn't it? It was a small thing in the moment, but it was huge in the ripple effect from it. I don't think anything we've talked about in this mission series is particularly difficult. We're talking about easy things. We're talking about having some meals. We're talking about praying, practically serving, telling people about what's happened to you and say, hey, come with me. It's not difficult. But I do believe this series is a call to action because God has a mission. It's time for us to get in the game. When Andrew and Simon Peter started following Jesus, Mark tells us that Jesus said to them, look guys, drop your nets and come follow me. They had been fishermen and Jesus said, from now on, you'll be fishers of men. It won't be about fish anymore. It'll be about people. It'll be about winning people for the kingdom of God. I was thinking, how should I end this sermon? And Andy always says, when you end a sermon, tell them about Jesus and tell them about heaven. I thought, all right, all right, let's do that. Let's think about heaven. Let's think about new creation glory. Let's think about this future that is promised. Just look around the room for a second, would you? Just... You are allowed to do that, even with the masks on and all that. Tell me what you see in this room that you think you might also see in heaven. Sebastian. <laughs> What's that? Sebastian, there we go. You've hit the nail on the head, though. You won't see that projector. That'll be broken by then. You won't see the screen. You definitely won't see face masks. This building will be crumbled. Everything will be gone, won't it? But what will be left is people. It's the people you see. Now zoom out on your life. Think about what things in your life might you see in heaven. Your house won't be there. Your money won't be there. Your your job, the things that we spend so much of our life on, will they be with us? But people will. Now think about your neighbours. Think about your friends. Think about your work colleagues. 
Wouldn't it be great if they were there too? I don't think there's a more significant thing we can spend our life on than pointing people to the eternal life that's found in Jesus. You see, the gospel is true. Jesus really did come to seek and to save the lost. He did give his life as a ransom for many so that any who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that worth spending some time telling people about? Isn't that worth engaging in the mission for? Isn't that worth doing like the words we heard in the passage? Just a a simple, come with me and you will see. I'll finish where I started. Often, all that it takes for somebody to do something for the first time is an invitation from a friend.